Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast, the 24th day of August, 2023. Happy birthday to my late father. Yeah, this day sucks. And the night sucked because I watched that debate. And holy Frank Tanana, we're going to talk about that with Brian Darling coming up in one second. Don't forget about patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.Locals.com. Support the program. Enter the contest this week's autograph book contest is between Senator Mike Lee and two-time Academy Award winner Gene Hackman. His, one of his books signed by both, so you can figure out who you want. Check it out and support the program. Plus, you get the weekend and review at midnight on Friday. All right, let's get right to it. If you watched the debate, I hope you turned off the TV right at the end of it so you didn't get polluted by the paid hacks and cable news losers and wannabe heroes and their spin on it. I'm telling you their reaction could have been recorded last week, right along with that Trump interview that he did with Tucker. By the way, a quick aside on that. I was catching crap, but why are you bad-mouthing Tucker? I thought you knew Tucker. I do know Tucker. I like Tucker a lot. But my job is to give my opinion and to tell the truth. And I looked at Tucker. I didn't watch the, the videos, 46 minutes long. And 30 minutes after it had been released, somehow it had miraculously racked up 73 million views, which is theoretically impossible because the thing is 46 minutes long. And so what constitutes, I just simply asked the question, what constitutes a view on Twitter? And if it's anything like Facebook, which I suspect it is, what constitutes a view on Twitter is you saw it for three seconds on autoplay as you're scrolling through your timeline with the sound off. That constitutes a view on on Facebook. It probably constitutes a view on Twitter. And uh, so there's no way in hell 73 million people watched a 46-minute interview inside of 30 minutes the math doesn't add up and people are all like well i I watched it and they were messaging me that two hours later like yeah of course you had two hours to watch it i noticed that the you know the people messaging me now saying i watched it i watched the view count has slowed dramatically like how does that work it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. You should ask questions. You should question everything, even if it's from people you like. Anyway, joining me now is the one and only Brian Darling. He is the president of Liberty Government Affairs. My views are not necessarily his, so I will not ascribe him to uh, what I just said. But he did suffer through this debate with me and the stupid UFO questions and the god-awful moderation. Brian, initial response. Well, just as a note, I actually did have the Tucker Carlson video running on one screen of my computer while I listened to the debate on my phone. So I was multitasking. I had it all going on tonight. Did you listen to the Trump video? No, I just saw the um, the audio. You didn't didn't hear it. I didn't hear one word of it, but I did see, 
you know, I had like the closed caption so I could read what yeah. they were saying. And you, you scroll past it five times in your Twitter timeline, and I bet that counts as five views. That's all Probably. I'm saying. I would like to see some analytics on it. It's kind of important as Tucker tries to set up what he's trying to set up for advertising purposes. It needs to be uh, clear what constitutes a view, I would think, for any potential investors, because otherwise, if they're just making I like some video websites that are not YouTube, I suspect pad their numbers for certain yeah. people for uh, ego purposes. And uh, it's just a, and it, it, someday it's going to come back and bite them. Maybe they'll be long since dead by then, but at some point the truth will come out because it just doesn't seem possible. Just like, you know, 73 million people inside of 30 minutes. Right. No way that many people watch it. But I will say this. I mean, Tucker Carlson has figured out a way to get on, you know, an alternative method of getting his message out and done it pretty effectively. I mean, who would have thunk somebody could jump on Twitter and, you know, create a buzz, the buzz that he's created after, you know, most of these guys leave Fox and they go into oblivion, you know, they go into, they either do something where they try and get, you know, a paid uh, gig where they get paid a ton of money to do something like, you know, a couple of the former hosts have done. Megyn Kelly's got her own show, which is, you know, get some traffic, but Tucker seems to have figured it out so far. We'll see how it works out. And Megyn Kelly is wildly successful too. Look, they, yeah. If you're not run out of there because of some kind of scandal, even if you're a complete jackass, you'll be able to do something because of the notoriety that it brought you. It's not in the cases of Megyn Kelly and Tucker, it's based on merit. But in most other cases, it's just not. But all right. So looking at uh, the debate, winner and loser is too easy. So just general impressions of the candidates. I mean, going into it, I really thought that DeSantis would be a punching bag. I mean, I really thought he would be the guy that everybody would just. He wasn't at all. There was nothing. They kind of mostly left him alone. Yeah. I mean, there were a couple jabs here and there, but it just was structured in a way that it wasn't easy to do that. It wasn't easy. You know, they they had pointed questions. They made him raise their hands a couple times. It was you know kind of awkward when they did stuff like that. And they also let a couple of the candidates take great liberties you know yes uh, vivek ramaswamy seemed like he figured out the way to talk as somebody should as just possible. tell that little weasel to shut the hell up <laughs> at some just sh- i kind of expected chris christie to go over there and eat him but they <laughs> they the rules were stupid and the uh, application of the rules were even dumber where the rules are like if you mention another candidate they get 30 seconds. Yeah. Now, you know, rule. casually mention, hey, uh, hey, Nikki, he mentioned me, so I want 30 seconds. No, Vivek Ramaswamy was whining every time somebody even alluded to him and so it got to the point, pathetically, that Brett Baer gave Vivek Ramaswamy 30 seconds because Mike Pence said you don't want a president who's too old or a president who's too young. And since Ramaswamy was the youngest person on the stage, they said, well, it must be he was referring to you, when in reality, he could have been referring to everybody who's younger than Mike Pence. So theoretically, if you're going to be honest, you would let everybody younger than Mike Pence respond. But realistically, you should have just moved on past it. But they were just so terrible they couldn't. What did you, I mean, am I being overly harsh here? I know you probably want to get on Fox at some point in the future. No, nah, I don't care. They were terrible. They were terrible. Martha McCallum asking Chris Christie about 
UFOs. Like, honestly, they spent more time talking about Trump than they did the southern border. That's how pathetic yes. it was. No, I agree with you. I think uh, the UFO question, completely ridiculous. Most of the conversation was concerning issues that nobody really cares about. I mean, nobody, nobody cares about a lot of these issues. And it's just kind of, you know, kind of ridiculous. But, you know, my big ta- one of my biggest takeaways, I thought that initially that um, that Governor DeSantis came out pretty strong. He started out on a good note and, you know, he was raising his voice, getting all excited. Um, I thought that was that was a plus for him. And the fact that he was in a punching bag plus for for DeSantis, he ended up not being the guy that just had to defend himself the whole time. I thought that was a plus. But, you know, in the policy area, I think, you know, I think the talking heads could say, oh, Vivek Ramaswamy is a big winner because not many people have ever seen this guy. I mean, he's been doing podcast here and there and he's been doing media you know he's done some fox but this was clearly he's a wholly owned subsidiary he's, he's fox created he hired a pr firm and there are certain pr firms if you really desperately want to get on fox and you're willing to dump a bunch of money in it and he's got the money to dump into it you hire them they get you on fox i mean look at half the people on fox they don't know what the hell they're talking about they have no no connection to reality and they're on talking about issues they know nothing about it's pathetic. That's why I hate cable news. But they or their PR agent are friends with Fox Bookers. You think people think, oh, you know this person, the host, you can get it on the show. That the hosts have so little, most of them, to do with the content of their programming. Yeah. Um, it's it's sad, and you really have to wonder what the hell is going. Like I would be ashamed to do a show where I just show up and say, all right, who am I talking to today? What are we talking about? Where's my monologue? I I can go there and read a teleprompter for an hour, basically work for two hours and make millions of dollars. I'd feel like, I'd feel like an ass. I wouldn't be able to do it, but there are. I'd be a rich ass. I would do it, but I would not do it indefinitely. I would go like, all right, I'm going to do this for five years. I'm going to bank a bunch of money and then I'm out because (laughs) I'd want to enjoy the good life. I need, I think I figure if I could somehow make $10 million after taxes, nobody would ever have to hear or see from me again. And that'd be fine. And I'd be content with it. My wife's like, wouldn't you get bored? And like, no, because if I ever got bored, I'd just count money. <laughs> I, don't, right. I don't work because I love it. Or I get so I work because I have to, because I got no other alternative. I'd be a really excellent lottery winner. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I mean, it's hard to really assess the debate because, you know, it's one of those things where Trump dominates even when he's not there. I mean, obviously, everything that happened at that debate is in the shadow of Donald Trump. And, you know, big news is going to happen uh, with him, it seems like, every day <laughs> moving forward. So this will be, you know, this is one of those debates where it's exciting in the sense that you get to see these candidates debate. But it's kind of meaningless in the sense that none of them really have a realistic chance of being the nominee. I mean, you know. Burgum's big laugh line was that he broke his leg or, you know, he, <laughs> playing basketball. And, and that's that's his, the big takeaway you're going to have from him. I mean, Chris Christie, he attacked, a, uh, he may have a couple of attack lines, a couple of funny lines. But you look at that debate, what do you, what's a big takeaway? Like, what are we going to say? Oh, well, that was a real great line. What a great soundbite. I don't but think I you don't heard get- much of that. No, they're really Nikki Haley. I thought really bitch slapped Vivek once, 
uh, about how ignorant he is in foreign policy because he is just a, a word salad tosser. He doesn't there's there's no record to check it up against. And he has a record of a history of saying whatever it is a particular audience wants to hear at any given moment. But um, you, you watch that thing. Any like Bergram was there. I wanted to hear from Bergram. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't know anything about Bergram, but he was down on the he, he just sat silently. The key, if you're out on the outskirts of the debate stage to getting more time is just to start talking, interrupt people, chime yeah. in, start start a fight. Then they will call on you. They will let you speak. But he didn't do that. H. The Hutchinson's didn't do that. So it just uh, they might as well have not been there. I mean, that's when you yeah, said I mean, threshold so low one percent for God's. I think I think you're polling at one percent in certain polls. Well, I think Bergman might have might have been the painkillers, or maybe he was you know still experiencing a lot of pain. I mean, it's just uh, bizarre. But I mean, you look at uh, Tim Scott. I mean, he had a couple good lines. You had Mike Pence, who had his opportunity to explain. Mike Pence was awake for the first time in his life. Yeah, I've never seen him that energetic. Very fired up. Yeah, it was. But, you know, even when he's fired up, it's just tough. Some He seems just so scripted, everything yeah. he says. See, even when he's angry, he seems like everything's so scripted. And, you know, he did have the opportunity to explain what he did on, on uh, January 6th and all the other candidates were asked if they agreed with what he did or not. I thought that was an important moment to actually have a real policy debate, a tough question to ask these guys, because most of them were softballs. And that was a tough question. I think that was really one where you separate the men from the boys and see who's going to stand up and say something that may not be popular with that audience, but it's the right thing to do. The, uh, one of the things that got a lot of time, too much time, and it always gets a lot of time, and too much time, in my opinion, in Republican debates is abortion. And it's not to say that I'm pro-abortion or anything like that, but it, it's watching Republicans clamor, many of them, for a federal ban on abortion counter contradicts everything conservatives have said throughout the entire history of Roe v. Wade, as far as I, I remember. Am I wrong in that? It's a... The federal, it's a You're horribly right. decided, it's a horribly decided law. You overturn Roe v. Wade, it will just return it back to the states where it belongs. And the federal government has no role in this. Roe v. Wade gets overturned. It goes back to the states. And then immediately along comes Lindsey Graham going, we need to uh, implement a federal ban. Like, Wait a second. That's not what you said. No, federal ban. That's what we need to do. Like, that's the exact opposite of federalism. I get it. Some states will institute strict controls or even a complete ban in other states like california and new york will go in the other direction the federalist the conservative response is not to say well all right then we've got to override those other states we got we got to change those other states through debate through argument it's not you know let's just get the power and force our will on them then we are democrats at that point are we not Ah, we're agreeing way too much today. I, I agree. And Bergam, <laughs> I think Bergam made that point. You know, he's a governor, so he can make that point and and point out that you know that case overturning Roe versus Wade kicked everything back to the states. Republicans 
almost in unison were saying that the this was an issue for the states and the reason why the court needed to kick it back was because it's a state issue you want the people of the states to make these decisions and all of a sudden you've got these candidates basically flip-flopping on the issue and taking a, a very different position that oh all of a sudden it is a federal issue i mean you see the same thing with marriage you know republicans you know, originally you know you had a lot of federal bans on uh, a push for a federal ban on gay marriage and then when the court federalizes it, they say, oh, you know, it should be kicked back to the states, which I think it, it should. But, you know, there's similar issues in the sense that if you believe in freedom, if you believe in federalism, if you believe that the American people should be allowed to make their own decisions, these are decisions that should be left for the states. And people in different states can make different decisions. It's a matter <clears throat> of the Constitution. Plus, realistically... Again, I'm not saying the Republicans are I'm pro-choice or anything like that, but the the federal government, the way it's currently constituted, can't do really anything on abortion, right? or very little around the fringe and related to the military or whatever, and that's all going to be challenged in the court. But if you're looking at the situation as going, I will institute an abortion, 15-week abortion ban or a six-week abortion ban, you, you can't do it. It's never getting through the Senate unless you get 60 votes, and you're not even going to get 60 votes even if you get 60 Republicans. Just like Democrats said, we're going to, we want to codify Roe into law. They don't have the votes for that. It's not going anywhere. It's one of those things that some people vote on and politicians campaign on and insist that there's a lot they can do and they, they will do X, Y, and Z. And nobody on either side can really do a damn thing about it. And you really have to wonder why they talk about it. And the only cynical answer I can come up with, and I'm as cynical as, uh, as anybody, is it's to motivate voters and to raise campaign money. Am I wrong? No, you're right again. <clears throat> Excuse me. The, um, you know, it, it bothers me when you have these candidates constantly talking about, oh, I'm going to appoint the best Supreme Court justices, and they're basically going to do the dirty work for me on X, Y, or Z issue. You know, it's a punting of the issue where, you know, the president isn't, a president's not going to have that much power over these issues. The president is not going to be sitting in Congress passing these bills. Nikki Haley did make a good point that it's tough to get over 60 vote threshold in anything in the Senate. So it's kind yeah. of a moot point. You're not going to have Congress passing a bill one way or the other. You're going to have the courts probably weighing in again on it. And uh, what is your role there? You're going to appoint justices and just hope that they make the right decision, uh, the decision that you want. So, yeah, no, I agree. I think it's, you know, they spend way too much time talking about that. I want to hear about inflation. What are you going to do about inflation? What are you specifically going to do about gas prices? What are you going to do about home interest rates going through the roof? I mean, these are real issues that Americans care about. People don't want to talk for 20 minutes about abortion policy because they, you know, it's it's constantly talked about on in cable news and there are, there are no minds that day aren't day. made up on it. There are no minds right. that are sitting there going, you know what? I don't know. I, I mm -hmm. want to hear this out because I haven't formulated an opinion on it, even if it's not a strong opinion or something you particularly care about. It is an opinion. You've got it settled. <laughs> yeah. And, and to sit there and waste so much time on it. Uh, it, all it really does, look, if you're pro-life and that's the issue you vote on, and that's really what matters, it's you can be pro-life, but not really that not impact your vote. You could also be a socialist, a pro-life socialist, and you vote for Democrats. Um, but if that's the issue that you vote on, you're going to vote Republican no matter what. 
So you don't need to be convinced. Uh, you know, if, if somebody is mostly pro-life or completely pro-life or whatever, they are not a Democrat. It's, you know, which it's an absolute this way or that way. And it's the same way for Democrats. If you love abortion, you want more abortions. It is straight up. They are your party. As you know, there's not going to be any derivation or deviation of the opinion over there. To waste so much time is is a real testament, again, to just how bad the moderators were and that it took until the second hour to get a question about the southern southern border when that is yeah. a major issue in the Republican primary. I just I can't express how bad the moderators were. They opened. What did you make it? Look, I, I have not heard the whole song. I don't really care all that much for most music, and especially new music. But I'm aware of that song, Rich Men North of Richmond or whatever. Yeah. I, and it's somebody complaining about Washington, D.C., and that's fine and all well and good. But it's number one on Billboard. So they started off playing a clip of that song. And then the first round of questions, the first 15 or 20 minutes, was a, a questions related to that song. Like, right. what the hell is is going on here? Yeah, I mean, the guy, good, more power to that guy basically singing a song in his backyard and it becoming so popular. But do they really need to make that the first question and kind of kick off? The whole debate with that that song it was just kind of awkward. It didn't but make sense. Just, I mean, they go. They, you know how cable news is. They'll glom onto whatever's popular, and they are the political class, be they elected officials or the journalists and pundits, will run out in front of a parade and pretend like they've been leading it all along. That's what they yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you. And and the guy, I mean, the North of Richmond song, I mean, Rich Richmond, North of Richmond song, it, it, it's a big um, deal in the sense that it's getting a lot of play. But how is it going to show the difference? With, I mean, it's basically just a softball. So these Republicans can say how much they love it and agree with the guy and think that Washington sucks. And, you know, people are, uh, you know, Washington's part of the the problem. And we need to just get all these guys out of there and get all these new people in there who won't, um, you know, be ripping off the American people. It just it, it seemed like, you know, empty pablum to me, you know, a way to just kind of kick off the debate with just getting guys talking, which I thought is kind of stupid. I just didn't think it was very good. No, and it was it's very current. It's, it's reminds me of Mugatu in uh, the Will Ferrell character in Zoolander is so hot right now. Like, oh, let's let's put this in there because everybody's talking about it. Just because song is number one on the Billboard charts doesn't mean that, especially in the age of streaming and what have you, it doesn't mean that many people know it. It just doesn't. I know it bursts everybody's bubble. A New York Times number one best-selling book can sell as few as like two or three thousand copies in yeah. a week. And like we think, well, they must be selling hundreds of thousands of millions of copies. No, it depends on the week. Some weeks it's ten thousand. Ten thousand is a massive runaway hit. But if it's you know just three thousand that week, you're number one, and everybody assumes something else because it's number one. Number one on Billboard could mean I don't know, maybe you sold uh, fifteen hundred songs or something. Especially when people don't really buy songs all that often. But 
it's just bizarre for a news organization to bother to do this. So let me ask you this, Brian. Anybody do themselves a lot of good tonight? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Vivek Ramaswamy is going to do great. I mean, he's going to be he's going to get a huge bump because not many people have seen him in action. He's obviously quick in his feet, and you know, for for many people, he sounds a little bit like a used car salesman. But yeah. he's he's very he's very quick in the sense that he was you know going back and forth in debates. He was taking everybody on. He seemed like he was relaxed too. I mean, he's obviously very confident in himself. So. I think that's going to give him a little bump. And I think, you know, I think candidates like Nikki Haley probably didn't do themselves any favor. I mean, I agree with her when she was talking about all the overspending by Washington. But for whatever reason, every time she spoke, she just I just didn't I just didn't want to agree with her. You know, I don't (laughs) like the way that she presents her case. I feel like a horrible misogynist. That's why maybe maybe I am. But I, I think it's just her. I just don't like her message. She's a somebody who's much more, uh, you know, just her foreign policy views I don't agree with. And I thought I thought that the Ukraine was a good, uh, good way to divide up the the uh, different candidates. And, you know, even Mike Pence, you know, I, I, I want to agree with them in the sense that I'm old. And so I yeah. remember the Cold War. I think he's a child of the Cold War, too. And so he remembers the old Soviet Union. And, you know, we're brought up hating the Russians and the communist and you know that that's that never actually goes away but then you see the newer uh members like ramaswamy who sounds more like my former boss Rand paul when he talks about how we need to spend the money here and not abroad and you know he was unapologetic about it could attack for it but i tend to agree with him more than the mike pence position you know if you're going to do something like that why don't you pay for it like don't don't just say we're going to throw all this money at ukraine and and uh, give them all our weapons and not find any way to offset it and pay for it because you're going to have Americans who legitimately say we have a massive debt, we have a deficit every year, and we're spending more money in Ukraine that we could be spending domestically to help out Americans. Anybody do themselves damage? I don't know. I mean, I, I didn't really see anybody, you know, just fall down flat in the face. You did point out that a lot of the candidates didn't use their opportunity like Governor Burgum to actually say anything. And Hutchison, I mean, I he, I didn't even know he was there half the time because he didn't speak yeah. up. I don't think they helped themselves, you know, to, you know, one former governor, one sitting governor who just didn't find the time to speak up. I don't think they helped themselves at all. I think, you know, DeSantis has been in kind of a, a tailspin for a while. I think he helped himself a little. I, you know, I don't think Mike Pence can help himself at this point. I think it's been be really tough but um you look at all the candidates i just don't see anybody having that big moment where they broke out nobody fell down flat in their face what do you make of chris christie because i think look um attitudinally i like chris christie i think he is the right f you attitude at the right time he's not belligerent He's, he's blunt if he needs to be belligerent he can be belligerent but he's just he just tells you no i think you're a, i think you're a jackass or whatever it is um i think you need a little bit of that there's too long the reason i think trump is so popular the reason i i like him uh is that he doesn't 
far, far too long, Republicans take a punch and then apologize to the guy who hit them, going, gee, I hope I didn't hurt your hand too badly with my face. Yeah. So you you see someone like Chris Christie, it's refreshing. You see someone like Donald Trump, it's refreshing. That being said, when you get down to the issues, and he, Chris Christie's not super conservative. He's, he's a moderate at best. Right. He's conservative on certain things. He didn't really, those issues didn't come up. His record wasn't really focused on, probably because of his position in the polls, what have you. But people watching that aren't going to start doing research on Chris Christie's record. They might, you know, go, you know what, I like that Chris Christie guy, and then they'll learn more later. So I think, in a sense, he probably did himself some good, don't you? Yes and no. I mean, I think one thing that I see his problem is that you know, he entered this campaign pretty clearly on a kamikaze mission to take out Trump. Like that was yep. his goal. Go in, blow up Trump. Now I feel like he thinks he actually can win, which is never going to happen. I mean, he's talking <laughs> about his poll numbers rising in New Hampshire. And he yeah. acted like a guy who thought that he should attack the other candidates instead of using all his time to just attack Trump. So strategically, you know, he walks out of that room. I'm working for him. I'd say, what, what are you doing? Why are you attacking? Why are you using up time to attack the other candidates on stage when your whole purpose here is to blow up Trump? Like that's what you. That's why you're doing this. Why are you? Are you do you really think you're going to be president? Because he's not. Yeah. No. It's. Um, it, but I think that he'll see. We're not talking about this. Who's just going to drag across the finish line? Because ultimately, I don't think this debate will matter one bit, as right. far as who gets dragged across the finish line. But this is about. Who gets a bump in the polls? You know what's going to happen. There's going to be the overnight polling. That's going to be the story until this afternoon when Donald <laughs> Trump shows up and turns himself in in Georgia. And that's it. It'll suck all the, the oxygen out of the room yet again. So uh, it, it maybe there'll be, if you get a two, three, four point bump, if you can carry that for the next month to the next debate, Maybe you could make something out of it and get a cabinet position. I got to tell you, I got to ask you this, Brian, because I have been unambiguous in this. I think that the moderation was terrible. I've always thought that I don't understand the appeal of Martha McCallum. And they try and put her forth uh, forward as some sort of great journalist. And like, no, she's 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 fine, but she's not. Neither one of them are particular deep thinkers. You, you, you shouldn't need extensive notes and scripted questions in a debate like this, especially with eight people, um, unless you want to. I mean, your UFO question, somebody needs to stop you if that's your instinct. But where else would the GOP go? They're going to be on Fox Business in a month. Yeah. Then they they have they're going to have other debates. Who else can host them? MSNBC <laughs> and NBC News are out. CNN yeah. will just it would just be a mess. It'd be a disaster. So the uh, the main broadcast networks aren't going to disrupt their regularly scheduled programming for a primary debate. The presidential debates are usually sort of crossover events where there are moderators from all the networks at once but that's not going to happen in a primary debate newsmax has the production values of a high school av squad yeah so <clears throat> where 
I mean, James Rosen would be great. I think James Rosen could moderate a debate, but it would Newsmax isn't doesn't have the capabilities to do it, I don't think. So what do they do? They're kind of screwed and they're married to Fox, aren't they? Yeah, but if the ratings in this turn out to be pretty good, I wouldn't be surprised if CNN tried to take a swipe at it. You know, they're now like, you know, with the new yeah, but who's going to participate? If it's CNN, the RNC has to have approval on who the moderators are. CNN can't, right. can't do that. But the RNC can't let CNN put some piece of crap up there like John, what's whatever the guy's name was. They've since fired him. But they they can't have Caitlin Collins, this little idiot running Jake around. It can't be that. It can't be yeah. a debate between the moderator and the Republican field, which is what those things turn into when they're on those networks. Plus, everybody on the left, it won't really matter as far as, and it shouldn't matter to CNN, but it will matter to them because it'll screw up their cocktail party invites. Everybody on the left will complain the way they did when they had Donald Trump on. Oh, you're doing a thing with uh, this, uh, putting it, this is ridiculous. Donald Trump's a monster. You shouldn't have him on CNN at all. Well, you put the whole Republican field up there. Every Republican is Hitler. Every Republican is a monster. It's going to make their social circles in the Hamptons on the weekends very awkward. I don't even know that they, they would want it if they'd have to agree to certain terms. So again, it goes to Fox. It's either Fox or nothing. Fox or streaming. You go to Rumble, some streaming site that nobody watches. Congratulations, you get your debate on there. Yeah, or Tucker maybe can host one on Twitter, Twitter or the uh, you know the the platform formerly known as Twitter. I mean, <laughs> I think CNN, if the CNN brass would, if they see good ratings, they'd probably say, yeah, let's give it a shot. If you're the RNC, you probably have some problem doing it. You know, you would have a problem with who the moderators are. But if you're the Republican candidates, you're looking for any opportunity to get your message out. So I'm sure they'll be pushing the RNC to do debates just to, so they can get more airtime and maybe get to a new audience. Yeah. I just, I don't, uh, I don't see it. And that's a sad commentary on where we are as far as media goes these days. Um, it's just, but I mean, maybe you go to a newspaper or you, you say, all right, we'll do it with CNN, but only one CNN person. I want a panel of three people and we want to pick them from or you can pick them from these outlets or something and you go Washington Free Beacon, Daily Call or whatever it is, because it, I don't know where else they go. I don't know yeah. where else they go. I hear you. I hear you. It's tough. All right. Well, that's enough for debate reaction. I've got 11 minutes to get this thing rendered and posted online. So Brian Darling, President of Liberty Government Affairs, thanks for wasting your Wednesday night with me and uh, everybody else have fun. Don't forget the weekend F and review patreon.com slash Derek Hunter podcast or Derek Hunter.locals.com where the fun never ends. And uh, we'll be back here with regularly scheduled programming tomorrow. Thanks for listening. <laughs>